0: Hi everybody and welcome to the You Should Run podcast. I am Tony Heil, a council member in Bridgeport, Pennsylvania, and this is the end of 2020. Uh, This year was, as you know, um, weird, stressful, uh, not the funnest year in most ways, Um, and so some people had a good year, um, but those people, um, you know, maybe they're missing out on what the rest of us are doing. So, um, if you've been listening to the podcast in the past, which I hope you have, you know that I've spoken with people who have run for or are in office at every level of government, from borough council like myself to mayors to state legislators to members of Congress, including U.S. Senator Bob Casey, and it's uh, I was able to talk to him in the before times. So, um, but this is twenty 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 s over, and a lot of those conversations worked really well for the end of 2020 as I talked to someone from every state. I'm bringing back one of my coolest guests from the year, um, from South Dakota, Louise Snodgrass, uh, is going to talk to me about, um, you know, getting through this year, what to look forward to, chopped, a few other topics. And maybe if this works out, we'll talk regularly and kind of update about the state of the country, the state of politics, um, without being like every other political podcast out there, so um, which means we won't be asking for money because that's not what I do here because then I can't talk to as many people. So with that in mind, Louise ran for office in 2020 in South Dakota. It's a challenging year to do so and not just because of the pandemic, because of the nature of politics. Uh, Tough to run in South Dakota anyway, though there's a lot of space to run. Um, And she gave it a really good go, was really inventive with her campaign. And I think people like her have a lot to offer with ideas more than the regular people we hear from all the time. So, Louise, it's good talking with you. Happy New Year. Yeah, happy New Year to you as well. I'm
1: excited to be on the podcast and I hope that
0: you'll keep me around. I mean, I I'm not going to keep you here because you are hundreds of miles away. Um right, right. so it's easy for you to get away. Um <laughs> so how how are things? It's um things are different in South Dakota than they are here in Pennsylvania
1: um so yeah I was trying to say that uh South Dakota we're hurting significantly right now and uh 2020 has not been kind to the state of South Dakota and the current public health crisis with COVID-19 um has really damaged the South Dakota morale as well as um you know losing family members um, and communities are hurting because a lot of community leaders have passed or have had um, significant symptoms from COVID-19 that are long lasting so a lot of people are feeling emotional and physical pain as well as um, pocketbook pocketbook pain um, and the buzzword of 2020 that I've been trying to teach a lot of folks in my area is gaslighting <laughs> uh, gaslighting is basically Being um, led to believe that all the problems that you see are not real and that you're crazy for believing that there are problems um, or that there is somebody in authority or you're um, somebody that you're in a relationship with is the sane one and you're the crazy one. And so we are experiencing that as 800,000 plus uh, residents of South Dakota, we are being gaslighted by our um, current. Uh, government and governor and it's it's absolutely insane here in
0: South Dakota I'll be honest. It's and I, I saw tweets from you and I really appreciate what you said a few weeks ago because there's a the problem with politics one of the problems of politics is that everything is national now. Uh yeah. so you know you, you don't have you do have local responses to things but um you know 10 15 years ago people weren't commenting on the governor of South Dakota and so there are a number of people who have said things like, oh, South Dakota, they elected her, now look what's happening. And every state's hurting, and that's not really a good empathetic way to address a human life crisis happening in your state, regardless of the politics.
1: Exactly. Um, something that, you know, Kristi Noem barely won as governor. Um, There was a huge momentum to elect Billy Sutton, and unfortunately he lost by... Uh, a thin margin. Um, And so actually more people voted to uh, approve recreational marijuana in South Dakota than people voted to elect Christy Noman as our governor. So when folks say, um, you know, uh, F South Dakota, that red state, let's like have, you know, the Louisiana purchase, let's give it back to France. First of all, that is insensitive to all the indigenous people that it lived and have ancestors and heritage and culture here, in, you know, in the quote unquote Louisiana Purchase, the Midwest and Western states, but also you're forgetting that you it's just so harmful to generalize. Um, there are, we're not the majority, but there is a, a significant amount of folks who know that the current administration and the current state of affairs is wrong and we are fighting so hard. And so when we see people say, you know, screw them, get rid of them, kill them, like, let them die from corona, um, that is it's just demeaning and it makes a lot of the organizers here in the Midwest just want to throw up their hands and just uh, move to California.
0: (laughs) Well, and you talk about California, they're having a huge amount of deaths and hospitalizations, Mm -hmm. um, especially in Los Angeles, which is crowded um, and, you know, people aren't taking the um, precaution seriously enough you know they they have res- they have restrictions but a lot of people aren't adhering to them um i'm right by new jersey which has been maybe the worst hit of all the states one of the worst so every state except for like vermont has been you know in very bad shape and the only state that's not in like red crisis territory and i mean that not politically is right now might be Hawaii and it's still tough there, and they're an island mm-hmm. state, so um, yeah, I think we need to empathize together. But it is re- a reminder too that you look at these states, um, and people look at every state as red or blue now, no matter the shade of red or blue, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, granted, some states had m- wide margins, but but most states, no one hit 60 percent, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so, so you know, it, it doesn't seem fair to generalize pretty much any state.
1: Exactly. I think if we get too comfortable, I think that's the thing is generalization can make folks comfortable or um, apathetic or even ignorant to a lot of things. So, um, we're seeing states that, you know, are traditionally blue strongholds. Even 10 years ago, South Dakota had Democratic representatives at the national level. Um, Arkansas is a very similar way, where we it, it was balanced. We saw balanced representation, and now there's a supermajority. And I want to say it's because folks get too comfortable in their generalizations, and you're not recognizing the... Um, organizing that is happening at small-scale local level. And so, because everything's so nationalized now, we aren't actually, we're seeing the shallowness of it, you know? Like, we're not diving deep. We're just saying, like, the generalizations are just a a shallow, deep into the pool, and you feel like you know what's going on, Um, but you're not actually diving deep and understanding exactly everything under the surface.
0: It is interesting to me, but I I think I told you when we first talked, my first Political campaign was in two thousand two for Tom Harkin, and I remember that same year uh, Senator Johnson, Democrat, won re-election in Mm -hmm. South Dakota. Um, He was a moderate Democrat, uh, well liked, and people worked really hard to to get him re-elected there. Um, And you also had the Senate Majority Leader from South Dakota. Uh, What do you think? Do you think that the major switch there, and this is something I had messaged you about that we'll get to, but. What do you think? There's any one major thing that has made these states not split their ticket anymore, or do you think it's like everything's national because of national media and social media, or is it like yeah. I people, there or is there just no one clear answer to give?
1: Yeah, I, I honestly don't know if there's a clear answer to give. And I know there's a lot of people doing research and writing reports about this, especially with rural organizing in these um, predominantly rural states. Um, so I do know that there are a few things that I personally am trying to understand as uh, uh, a rural <laughs> a community member and organizer and activist is <laughs> um, the propaganda wheel. Um, I don't understand where it's come from, um, but it is very prevalent. So words like family values, um, common sense, what emotions and what imagery does that evoke in, in an individual and who created that, um, you know, imagery in somebody's head? And I want to say it's also relational organizing that we didn't even have words for until very recently. Like, nobody was really coining the term, um, running around and being like, well, we're doing relational organizing. Um, un- until uh, the last few years, um, a lot of people have been, like, putting words to that. So I honestly think that it is um, also just people that are getting involved in county parties that are talking to their neighbors and feeling confident and competent enough to realize that they have power as an individual to influence their neighbors to hear the language, the propaganda, the stories, the, the you know, to persuade their neighbors to believe a certain ideology or trust them to vote a certain way. Um, and yeah, so it's really strange. And I'm, I am trying to figure it out because you have... South Dakota, for an example, it's the state I know best, Um, we voted for a super majority at a state legislature of, gosh, um, almost entirely Republican state representatives, Um, so like local representatives to go to the state level. Mm -hmm. There's only 11 or 13 Democrats that are going, and there's 105 legislators total, and only like... A handful less than 15 of them are Democrats and so we have that where we're voting for um, Republican um, representatives that don't necessarily um, represent community interests such as uh, better health care funding public education but then when we have ballot measures such as uh, medical and recreational marijuana approval People vote yes for that. So they're voting yes for for medical marijuana, for um, raising the minimum wage, but they're voting yes for individuals to represent them who would vote against that.
0: It's interesting to me, well all of it's interesting to me, one thing that I keep seeing um, as pushback from people is that Democrats aren't speaking to rural issues, but I have to be honest, I don't really see anything that Republicans are offering and uh, in terms of substantive issues for rural communities, right? Um, mm-hmm. uh, do you follow JD Shulten from Iowa running for Congress? Uh, I do not. Okay, well, it's okay. It, why would you have to follow every congressional candidate, right? But, um, <laughs> he did my podcast last year, and he ran a very tough race two years in a row. One and his close race is what got racist, terrible person Steve King basically to mm. um not um be able to win again this year. So that's a plus. Um, so, he posted a picture of a cattle call, you know, that where they're doing, um, uh, auctioning for a bull, I guess, and it's empty, there's like five people there, and he's like, this is what you have when you have corporate farming, there's only five people to bid on these animals, and whereas, d- decades ago, it would be full, people would be there, like, are there actually issues that are substantively helpful to these communities that Republicans are campaigning on, or is it just culture?
1: It's just culture, and I find that very frustrating, um, because I was told um, to not cling on to identity um, politics, to not um, really speak on um, anything other than South Dakota values, which, in my opinion, that's totally wavering, um, depending on the person, um, but when you look at a lot of the, um, conservative individuals running with a Republican behind their name, um, they're saying things like common sense candidate, family values, I work for, like, I represent, um, the university, I'm from a farming background, like, to save our, like, to, um, what is it they're like not nationalists but they want to protect our country protect the interests of South Dakota and so those are those are the statements that they're saying and then they're saying other things like when it comes to um, key issues and policies oh I support industrial agriculture I support um, <laughs> conversion therapy I, um, support, you know, bathroom bills. I don't like marijuana because it creates social ills. I support a criminal justice system, like things like that, where it's when you get down to the nitty gritty of the policy, which is what a lot of rural people are trying to, you know, they want to take care of their small family farms and that legacy, and they um, want more local control for so that they can um, do community-based Um, problem-solving and create policy that is community-based, they want these things, and they want to take care of their neighbors and their communities, and they want to love one another, but then they're sending representatives or voting for representatives that go against everything that they actually want to represent. So that's where I'm trying to figure out, like, well, what's going wrong? (laughs) Because... It it happened all across South Dakota that we saw um, Democrats running and independents running saying we want to expand Medicaid so that more people have access, so that 49,000 more people have access. We want to make marijuana legal so that we save hundreds of millions of dollars as a state when it comes to our prison system and also so that people have have." medicine in a more holistic medicine and there is just but they voted against us so that's something i'm just trying to understand <laughs> and it's it's um,
0: tough because you can't fight against it in a lot of ways mm-hmm. and it is frustrating to me like I, we i say this a lot on the podcast especially with different people i speak with i'm a straight white male age 18 to 45 right like mm-hmm. the republican government would in theory work out well for me um Unfortunately for that, I care about other people. Um and so but any of that stuff I just said or the things you said are identity politics too. Like if mm-hmm. you know, um if someone runs for office and says they have military service, good for them. That's not that's obviously not a bad thing, but that's an identity. If someone says, I yeah. am an Italian American and proud of my Italian heritage, good for them. That's that's still so identity, identity, yeah. It, and it's I guess there's a lot of people who, when people say don't campaign on identity politics, it seems hurtful, right? Because it's not really about don't use identity, it's don't use your identity.
1: Yeah. And honestly, um, one critique that I I mean, I've been thinking about this a lot. And I have this just like this general idea that instead of, really recognizing that as a Democratic Party, we are so similar in tactics and in motivation. Not motivation, um, but, like, um, campaigning ideas, organizing ideas as the Republican party, or, you know, maybe not, there's something that we're missing as a party. And instead of, like, reflecting and really paying attention and trying to, like, understand what's going on on the opposite side of the aisle when it comes to organizing and, you know, the propaganda machine that we don't 100% understand, but instead of trying to understand it and using that to our advantage as well, um, we are instead kind of, like, um, hands-off, better than you, I don't want to even touch it kind of thing. Um, where it's like, I'm going to take the high road and not even notice what's going on below me mm-hmm. um, so that I can shift how... Because nobody's following me, but I'm on the high road kind of situation.
0: <laughs> right. And one thing I mentioned to you um, when setting this up is you have all these news deserts now, and I don't know yeah. what it's like there, here we still have some local papers, and they're do- one. One of our local reporters, um, in my county was profiled by the New York Times as one of the last stalwarts of local news, and he's great. Mm. Um, and there are there are others, but you know, at this point, my major local paper is like two guys working together, right? And yeah, um, so I imagine a lot of the people in South Dakota are a lot like a lot of the people in my state too who are getting so much of their news from Facebook memes and cable news. Is that, yeah. is that yeah, changing it, a lot of things there?
1: Yeah, totally, and it definitely depends on your age. Mm-hmm. I did a lot of thinking about this. It depends on your age and what generation you are. Um, if you can afford cable news, then a lot of people are getting cable news. Um, but a lot of folks are scrolling on Facebook, and um, one of the big things here in the Midwest is understanding the weather. Like the weather implements, like it, it affects our everyday life. Mm-hmm. So weather is what we talk about. We have Facebook groups. Um, that we communicate weather issues to. Like, I'm a part of a huge Facebook group just for my county um, to talk about the weather. And so there are more than just the weather Facebook groups. They're building communities online where they share information. And just like relational organ- organizing, there certain people have influence. You are trusting the people that you are building your digital community with. So if they're saying something, then you're going to believe it or at least believe a, believe it partially, or, you know, internalize it, um, and maybe not even fact check. And so we're seeing Facebook is more and more prevalent in everyone's lives, especially, you know, right now, a lot of um, community news would spread at public events. <laughs> and now it's, it's Facebook groups, and boycott groups and local business groups. Like, it is crazy. <laughs> there are so many boycott business groups in my community right now because of mask mandates. <laughs> um, it's crazy. but
0: So yeah, there they're boycotting a business because they are using, they are mandating masks. Yes. And so here in my county um, there are people who you know, are, are going against restrictions, but there's more people in my very progressive county or liberal county um that would be against someone not doing that like that would be very opposed i know
1: yeah it's 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 interesting um and you know as much as there are groups for people boycotting businesses that do enforce mask mandates there are the the um, mirror groups of folks who are um, sharing information about business owners that don't believe um, in mask mandates and um, follow very closely with what Christine Ohm says. So there's vice versa, and that's people are building these communities and believing what their neighbors and friends say, even if they don't actually know the person. And that's the dangerous thing is I do believe um, this summer we had um, an individual, um, a couple individuals on a Facebook group for um, a black justice rally that we are having here in in my area, and there were some false profiles sharing misinformation, um, and so like that's the thing. It's like you develop this community group, you trust them, and then you can't, you never really think twice about the people that are in that community.
0: And, you know, I think what you said makes a lot of sense because you're not talking about just the person who is like the leader of that group or page, like. We, mm-hmm. we have local weather reporters, and so people will follow 6ABC News, but they'll also follow that weather reporter. And he's mm-hmm. great, you know, that people, like you said, the weather is something we can all talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, but you go on your local newspaper page, your, your Billings or um, new uh, Facebook group or whatever, and mm-hmm. so you assume that the person there, even if you don't know them, they must be a member of your community who's very involved. Because they're on that page. People just have an right. assumption of trust on that page. And I think there's a lot of Democrats, consultants, or people who are have been in office for a while that don't realize that the comment section is more real life than they want <laughs> to admit, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. The comment section, yes. Um, especially, like, we do have local news here. Um, but um, it's more, like, we do have a local paper in my area but um, I would say, like, Sioux Falls is about an hour away from where I live, and they have big um, media, so they have, like, the news stations and the big newspaper and then Rapid City, which is six hours away. So you have a lot of people in between that don't really care about those news sources because it's mostly, like, Sioux Falls stories. And so, like, if you're living in, you know, three hours away from Sioux Falls, you don't really care that a Chipotle opened in Sioux Falls, (laughs) which had a lot of news time by the way, the first South Dakota Chipotle, it was like on the news reel for a long time.
0: And I understand um, I love Chipotle. <laughs> I know,
1: I do too, but
0: I was like, you guys. Um you know, what's our attorney general doing? He killed a man. So um <laughs> <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> that's just, like, it is insane. Like that's the kind of stuff I I see that in South Dakota. I think it's true everywhere, right? Like some <sighs> major, major thing happens and it gets a tenth of the attention as a Chipotle opens.
1: Yeah, I know, but I think that goes to show, like, just exactly like what we want to digest as people <laughs> right now. But yeah, I don't think that people realize that in the comment sections of the Argus Leader post, which is our big newspaper here in South Dakota, where you know the, Ar- the Argus is reporting or trying to report factual information, then you're seeing you know people underneath debating the information that the newspaper has shared. Um, I don't know where they're getting it. Um, but they're like, it's insane. And then i also, I also have a lot of folks that are an older generation that I'm friends with. I, I like to have friends of every generation of every person. Um, and you know, just to stay connected. And I think it's also valuable, but, um, that are getting videos from friends that are still, um, Debating the validity of the election, um, and these videos are so so obvious to someone like me that it's propaganda. It has somber music. It has Photoshop pictures. It has um, you know text boxes instead of somebody actually reporting news. <laughs> uh, so it's like, can't you see that the election was a fraud? Can't you see that? Trump this this and this and they're sharing it with their friends over Facebook Messenger and I don't know where they're getting these videos but they're sharing it with each other and hoping for the best that their friends trust them and they're trying to influence their friends
0: yeah and I I know like if I go to a I went to the doctor the other day to get a flu shot and I know they have the letters next to their name that that is a nurse or a doctor and it's Mm -hmm. a doctor's office I trust them but I think for a lot of people and largely because of this conservative culture against media, what Donald Trump has done, they think that, um, anyone is just as qualified to give information as whoever is in the newspaper or on TV. Mm-hmm. Right? So it, the democratization of the news like that has pluses and minuses. And so what can we, what do you think we can do for the future? Like, <laughs> the Donald, Joe Biden's going to be President, and there's gonna be millions right. of people who think that you know he didn't win we We were not really arguing about like should we provide health care to a hundred million versus eighty million people? should we have a tax rate of thirty three percent versus thirty five You know we're debating reality,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, um, I think it's really important to understand, like I do think there is this sense of collectivism versus individualism. Um, But um, so I would say a lot of the conservative mind is like individualism where you get ahead and you are powerful and you will get ahead. And I would say that like a lot of the left-leaning folks, especially the younger generation, is more of a collectivism. Like let's help each other. Let's do it together. Let's be better together, and I think that's important. But I think it's also important to realize that the collective also is full of strong individuals who have influence it to move the collective forward. So I do think it's important to value your own authority and your own influencing power um, to stand up, you know, and and to talk to your friends and to not be afraid and to have those hard conversations that you you do know information about. You, you know, trust yourself. Um, if you've been doing fact ch- fact checking and you feel like you are competent about a subject, then, you know, stand up and say, actually, I believe that's wrong and here's why I think that's wrong and I really want to have a conversation with you about it. <laughs> um, and I think it's, you know, be confident about having those conversations. It's okay to have conflict because we all grow from it. Um, if you are having conflict, to grow from it,
0: not just, like, throw punches and be violent. Yeah, do you think it might be worth it for the Democratic Party? And I don't mean the paid people, um, Uh though that might be too, but just as a movement, a progressive movement, to really be pushing people to, yes, get into the weeds in the comments. Go, don't, don't argue. Like, I'm not saying to get into fights, but, you know get people from the communities to go and put po- and, and clear up the facts we like the republicans they have this terrible conspiracy call with the uh, digital warriors and maybe we really need to have if they're gonna have digital warriors maybe progressives need to have that mindset as well with trying to bring people to the real world
1: yeah definitely i think if you approach it with as little as emotion as you can <laughs> you know like the emotion is that you want to Um, educate as opposed to the emotion being, oh, it's so hard not to communicate with emotion because we all have it. But there's, you know, where that certain you are getting ready to argue your emotions are high, you're angry, as opposed to your emotions are more of concerned for community members. So I think it is important to get into the comment sections, but also be aware of your surroundings. Um, What is the post that you're commenting on? Is it um, a local person? Is it a you know? Are there local people in the comment section? Is it more national? And also, um, be be mindful because of your surroundings. What language are you
0: using? Mm-hmm. Because it's
1: it's really quick. Like the, because of the I. It's so it's so frustrating um, for me. that it's like a duality. It shouldn't be. It should be a spectrum of ideology. But it's a duality. Um, you know, in the comment section typically. So. You know, are we using language that is more recognized to maybe the liberal media or is it language that is more recognized with Fox News and a more conservative media? Because there are different words, there's different vocabulary for um, each news source and each little bubble that we're living in. So what bubble are you entering <laughs> and, and maybe set yourself up for success and maybe recognize that using words that will be a lightning rod and totally go over their heads in the way that they won't even listen to you because of the word that you're using. I think it's being, be mindful of your surroundings, but definitely engage.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. That I think that's really important. And hopefully people will be listening to you because you've used a lot of really good digital um, te- uh, communication in your campaign. Um, it was an impressive outing for you and for others in, in the country that followed that same mindset like Kelly Kraut from Arkansas and others. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that, you know, neither of you won, but you showed a future for how to talk, I think. Um, And I think that's important.
1: Yeah, I think, yeah, just be, don't be more than yourself because you yourself are powerful enough. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think that's really important.
0: And, you know, you talked about individual versus collective. And I know, like, my most important issue is climate change. and. You know, you're talking about rural issues. If you have a government and a power structure that refuses to engage on climate change, that's not just some pie in the sky, like, oh, fanciful liberal thinking. That hurts rural communities to ignore it. Like it Oh, of course. You know, I, I went I remember this was thirteen years ago. I went to a winery in Maryland and they're like, This is what's happening to our winery here because of climate change where insects are coming up, so we have to build higher up on the hill. And it was just a stark realization that this thing, even in moderate temperatures, was having an impact. I'm sure it's going to have a huge impact on individual lives in the Dakotas.
1: Oh, of course, yeah. Um, and it's, it, I would say that a lot of people are concerned about the environment, but the language that they use is totally different. Mm-hmm. So, like... I would use the word environmentalist, but um, another individual, um, the person that I, one of the individuals that I ran against, the Republican incumbent, uses conservationist. Mm -hmm. So we both believe very similar things, but they say conservationist and I say environmentalist. And actually, throughout my campaign, I used conservation um, because that is something that is way easier for my community to wrap their heads around because it's something that we already do and we already strive for. Um, and so if I were to say I'm an environmentalist, <laughs> um, that looks a little bit different in the heads, in the minds of a lot of the people in my community. And lo- that kind of looks like, um, uh, like a climate justice warrior, which I am, but as a representative representing my entire community, that's not something that I would put my foot forward to do. I would definitely Protect the environment, but I wouldn't be that environmental justice warrior that I am because I'm representing an entire community. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we we've got we've got individuals who call themselves conservationists as opposed to environmentalists, um, and we do care. And then when they go to legislate and create policy, they are fast-forwarding and streamlining. Um, climate change and destruction of, of our natural landscape and our resources here in South Dakota. So we don't respect the um, 1970s Water Act here in South Dakota. Um, there are companies who have been dumping um, their waste into our waterways since the 90s or before the 90s, but they haven't updated their permits since the 90s or the early 2000s, um, which is terrifying. Um, one of the most polluted rivers in, in the nation is in South Dakota has the rare strain of E. coli, Um, we are creating policies that are streamlining CAFOs, so um, confined animal feeding operations, so that big, big, big operations can come and destroy our infrastructure, destroy our water, destroy our property values, and just like a lot of humanitarian issues and a lot of animal rights issues with those as well. Um, then we've got uranium mining in the Black Hills that they're trying to streamline. We've got a pipeline going through South Dakota that leaks all the time, like thousands of gallons of oil. <laughs> um, and so it's just, it's insane. And then they're trying to criminalize people that protest. So they created like a riot boosting bill so that if it it, it didn't, it got ch- challenged at the Supreme Court level because it was incentivizing arresting protesters Mm -hmm. and the language was just so fluid that uh, a police force could arrest people and then charge them with inciting a riot Um, and then the money from the arrest and all the court proceedings would then go to a fund that would support a pipeline
0: (laughs) oh my goodness but- yeah.
1: So there's so you're saying you have these people that say like I'm a common sense conservationist and I support family values and I want to protect the interests of South Dakota. And then they're not. So there's a total disconnect and it's and where is it you know? It's Facebook groups. It's it's influencing your neighbors um and it's a charming smile and I mean you know how what happened? I think we're all just really trying to figure that out.
0: Well, and it sounds like for, you know, I care about climate change, and the only way to make it work is if everyone's on the same page, it, mm-hmm. to, in terms of the actions, um, mm-hmm. and not all of the same actions. You know, it's a variety of things, but it. We don't need people from my city telling people in South Dakota activists or in candidates in South Dakota. Um, like, I, we don't need to put them like a climate hero, Louis Snuggrass. We just need you to. <laughs> we just need you to win. Yeah. You can win on being a conservationist, on, you know, protecting farmland, whatever the phrase is, as long as you win. And, Mm. you know, that's the thing that matters, and you can, then you go, because that's what the Republicans do, it's the same thing, right? Like, they're not talking about destroying the planet, but then they go and get elected and do it.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, that's just something that I'm, like, I've really, I've been staying up at night and waking up early, just being like, what is happening?
0: (laughs) What
1: is going on? And I know that a lot of people in 2020 are waking up to that, that the world does not make sense. And as hard, as hard as we try to make it make sense, it just keeps making less sense. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, And yeah, I just like, it's, it's just fascinating for me to talk about what's happening in South Dakota because it's so, it's, um, it, it like, it's so prevalent. It doesn't make sense the more and more we get into it. And it's just, you could see it so easily when you're not in the thick of it. So Yeah, sorry for like rambling about my state, but I think it's happening all across the United States. Oh, it certainly is. Waking up to it.
0: It certainly is, and and, well, you were supposed to ramble. It's a podcast, so that's fine. (laughs) Um, But you know, we have these pockets of people, like these state legislators in Pennsylvania, who are going off the crazy train, um, and and it's really disheartening to me because I have to sometimes see them, and not my legislators, but like they. Um, they're promoting election conspiracies when they are the ones that pass the bills. Um, they are, you know, pro- campaigning on and and tr- filing lawsuits to de- take away any sort of restrictions because they think that COVID is not a big deal, and they're, which is leading to death. You know, their their yeah. policies are leading to death. so. It's not like this is something that exists in South Dakota. This exists in every state. And oh
1: yeah, definitely. And, and I really, I do think that like, I do think that um, 2020 made a lot of people wake up and we woke up with some hard truths um, and some horrible things that, you know, causes, you know, it was a nightmare that caused us to jolt awake. But a lot of people are waking up and so I am looking forward to 2021 because so many people are ready to dig deep and figure out what's going on.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, and I hope that they'll, when they're digging deep, they're not going to just ask um, Ed Randell and James Carville and Paul. Like, not that they're all bad people. Like, we need to ask people like you who are in the thick of it, like you said, and 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 doing and listening. Just doing and yeah. listening.
1: Yeah, I think it's really important to ask um, if if you know ask within your own party. Be be questioning your own, you know, your own party as well as the other parties. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Be
1: discerning. For, of everyone, and also, I think the folks that keep coming back to work um, are the most passionate, the most caring, and probably the most understanding, um, especially when they're getting paid very much or at all. And so, I think it's good to ask questions of those folks um, all over the country who are organizing constantly and keep coming back for campaign season and politics because a lot of folks give, like, oh, the election season's over, thank God. I'm going to get back to the weather. <laughs> um, but there are some people, it's their entire lives. And those are the people we should chat with.
0: Yeah, I want to... I, I really do want to decompress. I didn't do the podcast for a few weeks. But I want to not pay attention to it. But then I also know that I have the luxury to not pay attention to it. And that keeps me from, you know, not folding back. Like, I, one, I am an elected official, so I have to do my job. Um, mm-hmm. But two, you know... Um, well, I don't watch cable news. I can't stand it from any station. Um, And there's sometimes I can like something. But um, but I know that um, these issues will affect my community, my family. If the planet gets unbearably hot, that's going to affect my children. Like, mm-hmm. they're going to need health care their whole lives because they're human beings. So I, I don't think I think that we all have to have the realization that none of us has the luxury to really disengage.
1: Right, yeah. And it's so I also, I think that we are coming into an, uh, an era of understanding performance and um, and standing on the stage and saying that you care about this issue. And so, it, you know, in order to prove to others that you care and you're listening, you have to, like, perform. Um, and I'm in that stage of my... Um, life, or season of life, that I just spent nine months performing, yes. <laughs> and so I'm, like, taking a break from tweeting all the time about political issues, it's not that I'm not paying attention, I'm doing a lot of work behind the scenes of staying up to date, staying educated, and talking to my friends about issues, um, but, like, I can't stand on that Twitter stage all the time and talk about the, the wrongs of you know, what's happening in my state, what's happening in the nation. I would gladly retweet people who are sharing information that I, you know, also hear, here. cheers to that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, you know, take some time away from being on that performative stage. Uh, it's okay to perform, but it's also okay to be quiet, you know, be be uh, on the tech crew, be a stagehand, and not necessarily be in the spotlight.
0: Totally true. We, we And those people are the ones that are, obvious oftentimes doing the most important work. Um, mm-hmm. the people that are always on the front um, are often very loud but doing very little behind the scenes. <laughs> uh, yeah. So to step back to because one thing we do share an interest in as supposed to in addition to improving the world is the food network and we both like <laughs> Chopped. So um, to end the year on Chopping 2020, um, <laughs> who let, let I'll you say two people that in the political sphere, that would be on Chopped. I'll come up with two others, and um, then you can we can come up with some uh, ingredients that they would fail at.
1: it. Oh my gosh! Okay, so first of all, I would love to see the golden retriever energy of Elizabeth Warren on Chopped. Oh yeah, I think that would be so endearing, and just like I will, I would love to see her thought process with ingredients. Um, and then I think I would really like to see. I want somebody with, like, I want to say um, AOC, because she has such, like, a, uh, you know, online, she has such, like, this, like, crisp thinking pattern, and she's so well organized with her notes. I would also like to see that as well. So, like, Lizzie Warren, they both have plans, but I feel like they both come up with plans in a different way. So I'd really love to see, (laughs) like, a basket in front of them and to see how they develop those plans and those recipes.
0: All right. Well, in that case, I will. You will say positive things. I think I would like to see Michael Bloomberg on in this episode because during it, Elizabeth Warren will take the food from him and make it better and cause him to lose. So that will be um, good. Um, I would also like to see um, Tucker Carlson be one of these four people. So because Elizabeth Warren will make something creative and good, um, you know, Michael Bart, Michael Bloomberg will be destroyed. Um, by that, and AOC will season her food, and whatever the ingredients are, Tucker Carlson will still just make um, a hamburger with ketchup.
1: Oh my god,
0: yeah. And that will be it. I
1: just, I just thought about in my head, um, I thought it would be interesting to see Chris Christie on there, <laughs> to see if he would be halfway through something and then just change his mind completely and actually make something nice. <laughs>
0: I think that Chris Christie, if he was on there, he would leave the show and go pick up McDonald's and come back. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> and then they'll be that'll just throw the secret ingredients into the onto the plate and say, "There's a meal," <laughs> and and Tucker will say, "That looks fine to me. I don't see the problem."
1: Yeah, I yeah, I really huh. I think it would be really interesting just to see like the thought processes of so many different people because everyone has a beautiful policy mind and problem solves wonderfully. Um, but it was, it's like, but everyone gets to that destination differently. So it would be really cool to watch those people.
0: Right. I can see Michael Bloomberg doing it and him just taking money out and trying to pay somebody to cook for him. (laughs) And then they spend the 20 minutes explaining to him that that's not how this show works.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So he wouldn't show up until like the last five minutes.
0: Right. So he, he just walks in during the dessert round. Like, we are like, we already did it. And the oh, but I'm, I'm, on, I'm in this competition. I paid. I
1: paid my way. I paid the producer at the door. I brought a cake.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and so. it has,
1: yeah, it just has his name on it.
0: So thank you so much, Louise. I think next time we can focus more on Chopped. Um, and this <laughs> is a great way to end 2020. Um, Is it okay if people still follow you on Twitter, even if you... We, we're, oh. Yeah,
1: definitely. Um, I actually just recently hit a thousand followers and that felt kind of (laughs) cool. But yeah, I'm on Twitter. Lou 4, the number 4, Arabic 4, SD. So I'm still on Twitter and I like to chat on DMs. My DMs are always open.
0: Mine are too. So you can follow me at Tony Heil or at the You Should Run pod and follow up on the latest episodes. Um, The most recent one was this past, week with uh Pennsylvania State Senator Katie Muth have one coming up from West West Virginia one from Missouri and another one from Wisconsin all in there uh so I'm gonna try and get some cool episodes in the next few months and keep this going because I think and Louise you can tell me if you disagree I think more good people should run for office
1: yeah definitely I think you should run
0: (laughs) great thanks so much and have a great new year
1: yeah you as well